Saeed Esh asks, nobody signed my yearbook. Sad emoji. So there's this virtual yearbook of sorts where you can send a link to someone and they can sign your virtual yearbook. I put the link up on my social media and also sent it to my friends. It's been a day now, and I just went to check to see if I got any signatures. I didn't. People can actually see how many signatures you got and can read the messages too. How do I get over the embarrassment I'm feeling at the moment? Hmm. Well, it's it's okay to be embarrassed. Yeah. You don't have to be. Yeah. But if you are, you are. Um, it's only been one day, so I still have hope that you may get some signs. Mm-hmm. Could be just this day. You know, that wasn't the time for it to happen, but... Um, People's responses could take longer given the current uh, lockdown oddity of life. I've certainly taken longer to get back to people. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. What do you think, Morgan? (sighs) Yeah, I, uh, I really, I really feel the sad face of this post. Um, Yeah, I want to give Sayedesh a hug. Yeah. Me too. I, yeah, it just, it just makes me think back to all of the literally uncountable times where I felt like at the age that I, I assume he is or she, um, when, you know, I was at a vulnerable age of, I don't know, maybe high school, um, or younger or older, I certainly experienced many moments of feeling social exclusion Um, wanting a response, not getting anything, feeling alone, feeling unwanted, undesirable, uncared for, um, and, and feeling ashamed of being in that situation. Um, yeah, I mean, I just spent, (laughs) I spent so long being sort of stuck in that mindset, um, or perceived social category, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, I have just like never ending empathy for being in that situation. And, and I think at the time too, you, you do feel part of what adds to the pain of it is that you feel like it's not going to end. You feel like it's something permanent about you or, you know, that you're always going to be perceived this way, feeling this way, whatever. Um, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I think like at the, the facts are that it's only been a day and they have friends that they sent the link to. And so to me, it doesn't seem that, uh, ominous from an outside party looking at what are the facts? Like if you, if you want your friends to like hurry up and do their signatures. Theoretically, you could reach out to them individually and say, Hey, like I'm feeling weird about the fact that my count right now is zero and that people can see that. Can you just like throw something up there? Other people are getting signatures and you you, say you dash is seeing that that's happening on other people's and comparing is my assumption about this. Right. I would assume so, although there's probably a yeah. hyper focus on the fact that they're not getting them and, and you know, well, maybe nobody pro- has any and it's a broken system. It's <laughs> one thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I assume Sayedesh has thought of that and is seeing like, oh, the, yeah, Annie has 50 or something. And yeah. Like that I, makes it feel worse. Yeah. I'm sure that the thing is, is, like, I'm sure that there are people that also don't have any at this point, but I'm sure that there are people that do have them. And then that creates that artificial sense of I'm not as good as that person. Yes. Um, but maybe that person, I mean, I don't want to read into it too much, but you know, maybe that person has even more fears and insecurities about needing to feel, you know, surrounded by friends and send it to people, bugged them, got a bunch of signatures, did a bunch of hard work, um, rather than waited for, you know, their real friends to kind of just pour in love 
naturally at their own pace. But all of this is kind of like taking away, kind of moving us away from, to me, what is like the central thrust of this question is just like, yeah, it it can feel really embarrassing. And I think it's just important to remember that like, that is something we are programmed by evolution to feel like shame and embarrassment for not the the ways that we think that we are disconnected from the group or not included mm-hmm. because, you know, we survived by being a part of a tribe and by being very interconnected. And so we're biologically motivated to want that approval from other people, to want that status that we can rely on, that social status, and to not get it, especially in such a visible way where you can compare yourself to other people. It just sucks. Yeah. I feel angry at the person who designed this system (laughs) because that's not the way that yearbook signings work. It's not like everybody's yearbook is on display and there's a counter at the bottom of each one to like rank them signed them. Um, this seems like taking something bad about a digital environment and applying it to something traditional that used to be more like person to person interactions. And now it's being blown out into the public in a way that uh, I think is not making it better for anybody. Um, and certainly making it worse for people in your situation right now. Yeah. I, I think that the two things to do are, believe that it can and will get better. This is common um, information that's shared with especially gay teens, um, the it gets better uh, chant or belief. Because I'm 29 now. I've uh, went to high school, went to college, had various jobs, had various relationships, friends, groups. I think that high school ending was the biggest state change like all that um that really ended the most abruptly of anything um college ending i kind of kept seeing people from college that moved to the same city as me and um would go back and visit more frequently but yeah high school ending it, you're really at the beginning of a new era so mm. one thing that you can focus on to to help with this embarrassment is all right, what would you like the next thing to be like? Because yeah. high school's really over if you want it to be <laughs> and you can go other places. You really never have to see those people. I don't know your specific circumstances, but you can probably move to somewhere else. Um, if you put your mind to it with some time and planning. So it will get better. You will become, um, more aware of what you like in other people and more socially um, skilled in asking for the types of validation that matter to you. And other people also just get nicer. Mm-hmm. I think people are are at their worst, like they have the most amount of power and the least amount of conscience when they're in high school. Yeah. And, and they're most motivated by their own insecurity and mm-hmm. trying to fit in. Like the number one imperative of that age and that developmental stage is just to fit in. And for many, unfortunately, this isn't just something that applies to, well, how do I fit in? It, it also goes into actively making other people feel like they don't fit in to make themselves feel better. It's just a nasty time. It can be, it can be. One other thought just occurred to me, something you can do is Think about the moments during high school that you cherished with other individuals Mm. and write that to them. And maybe you send it to them in some form that isn't this yearbook signing program. Um, You can send an email, write a handwritten letter, especially if it's a teacher or somebody that doesn't have a yearbook, I assume. I don't know how uh, vast the system is or what it applies to exactly. But um, I think that maybe a big part of what you're looking for in this uh, exercise of getting people to sign the yearbook is like just having some collection of cherished memories and you can create that for yourself outside of the system. Who were the people that uh, mattered to you most and what were the events that 
you look back on, you could tell those people. And um, who knows, maybe someone else is feeling like you are right now, and that would be the first thing that they received. And you'd relieve that yeah. feeling from them a bit. Yeah, I, I love that suggestion. I would I would definitely recommend, like since you can see who hasn't gotten uh, a signature and, and maybe by the time this episode comes out and you hear this, you will have gotten signatures, but go out and look for someone who doesn't have one and maybe someone even that you know might struggle to get this kind of social feedback and write something nice to them. Write something along the lines of what you wish someone would tell you right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think that sometimes when we feel our most alone or worthless uh, or disconnected, when we identify an opportunity to help someone else out of that, it fills us up in a completely different way than we expected and gives us back so much more than maybe what the original thing that would have saved us from this pain could give. So mm-hmm. identi- like, don't, don't write off the fact that this is embarrassing and painful because it totally is. Like, I really understand it deeply um, and feel for you. And I think that's really why we wanted to address this question. Cause it just made us both feel and like, um, don't write that off, but see if you can identify opportunities to channel it into something that you might not have, <clears throat> excuse me, that you might not have otherwise given yourself the time or space to do if you had just immediately gotten a response from all your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, I want to respond to the comment that I saw just below uh, the question about <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't feel this way. I just wouldn't care. Yeah. Um, I think it it is painful and embarrassing for you. It doesn't have to be across the board, but if it is for you, it is for you. It, it means that it's something that you care about right now. And it doesn't mean that it will be something that you always care about. Um, but it is. So I think just trying to brute force your way through, oh, this doesn't actually matter. I shouldn't care about this. Doesn't uh, do you any favors right now. It may, yeah, I agree. It may be useful to give yourself a distraction if you find yourself chronically dwelling on this, but I agree with Morgan's um, advice to like give yourself some time to feel the pain of this, the embarrassment of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that is true for you right now. Even if you can imagine a person who just you know cares about something else uh, dropped out of high school early or is going off to war and they're like stoked about that or whatever (laughs) wait 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 wait. how would someone dropping out of high school to go into war how does that relate to this (laughs) just because they're like so into their platoon right now or so into um, oh i see you know like a, a Peasing their drill sergeant that they don't even that this is even on their like, spectrum. Oh, there's a what? There's a I didn't even yeah, open yeah, that yeah. email that said that there's a, a an app. <laughs> yeah, I I understand that like desire almost to to be in a category of such untouchable nonchalance. Um, but I think that that someone who does potentially you know throw themselves into something like that or removes themselves dramatically from a situation. Maybe that's a real intense need to avoid that that same type of pain and to have something else going on. I've I've definitely done that where I've just sure. tried really hard basically to not try hard <laughs> to to avoid the pain that comes from having tried or caring about something. Um and yeah, the other thing to say about this this age particularly. Again, we don't know exactly what your age is, but I mean, you know, anything below college uh, for me was just the far and away the most sensitive time of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would, yeah, I would never, I, I don't care how much money you offer me. I would never go back to that phase of my life. I really hated high school. I could not wait to get out. Um, oh, yes. I wanted to speak to what you said before about that transition between high school and college. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that this person's going to college. Right. First off. And we don't know that they're at the end of their high school. Like this person could be in sixth grade. But um Oh. I thought it was a graduating high school. Didn't they say high school? No, I don't think so. 
Just yearbook. Oh, yeah, just yearbook. Damn, I I invented in my head that this was a senior in <laughs> in high school. I mean, it might be. It might be. Um, we don't know. I feel like if if they're not graduating, then why don't they just give them print yearbooks that they can sign whenever they're back in person? Listen, clearly so the administration years. here is not full of a bunch of geniuses. Sure, <laughs> sure. It's that are super plugged into if you the, ask me. They're plugged into the high bunch school of unplugged doofies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the I feel so. At the time when I was this fragile age, anywhere really from middle school to high school, it felt unending, shitty, and I just didn't think I would ever feel differently or or move beyond it. I just thought I would be in this type of pain for like the rest of my life, basically. That felt really real to me at the time. And I'm 30 now, and I feel very, very far away from that frame of mind. So it will take time. Like ultimately mm-hmm. moving past any certain emotional response just takes time. Um, but yeah, you can try a number of the things that we suggested in the meantime while you kind of just process it. But I, I do hope that you try to take it somewhat lightly and not as a direct reflection of like, how do my friends feel about me? Because everyone has so much shit going on these days and everyone's worried about 19 gazillion different things. If someone, yeah. if someone who cared about you knew that you cared this much about it, I'm sure they would be, you know, knocking on your door to fix it because right. they to, love to you, write something to write the, something sweet. Your book. Yeah. Yeah. So if, the, if you have a friend that you can trust, ask them, ask them to do it. It's not, it's not, um, it's not an omission of failure or craziness or I don't know, whatever you might fear about yourself that it would be. Um, yeah, it, I, I'm trying not to blanket it as like, it's not a big deal, but I think you can choose to disconnect from whatever you think this means about you. Yeah. I, I want to give a broad warning if you find yourself in situations like this in the future just to be wary of internet um feedback Mm. or acceptance metrics because they're easily manipulated um i don't know what is going on with this specific yearbook signing app but if you ever find yourself uh comparing the number of likes that you got on a certain post or on how many followers you have or views you have on something uh, plays you have those things are easily manipulated and it's just it doesn't reflect the quality of the thing i think it's better to uh take stock in the words and your feeling of the experience that you had with other individuals with like unique people rather than this faceless mass of numbers, which might be majority fake anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's, that's a great piece of advice to just throw in there because we just don't know what's going on in the digital landscape. Truthfully. Um, We really don't. Yeah. And I think that we imagine like, okay, I'm going to post this. Like, I I mean, I certainly do this, you know, I imagine like, Oh, I'm going to post some like link on my, whatever the fuck. And you sit there and you don't get a response and you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Fuck, 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 fuck. Like everyone's, you imagine everyone's standing in a circle with their arms crossed, like looking at the fact that you posted a link and going, ugh, like, I don't give a shit about that person. I'm not going to click their link. Like that's not what's happening. (laughs) There's not this like committee of people deciding that you suck. (laughs) Um, yeah, we don't know what's happening really. (laughs) That's an important, um, other, thank you for that intro to this of, Notice how often you're checking this thing. I assume mm. it doesn't have notifications. Maybe this is a robust app, that the yearbook app in your phone. But I assume you have to go to a website or something like that, open something to see, has anyone posted yet? Yeah. Try and um, figure out what do you think is a healthy limit for how often you do that. Maybe you could start by defining what's unhealthy. If, if someone checked this 100 times a day, would that be too much? Um, maybe mm-hmm. it's once a day. 
And uh, I think it's a good idea to set a time or set it after an activity that is something else that you feel like you have control over, like mm. accomplishing something. Maybe it's doing a certain number of push-ups or drawing something or uh, writing a thank you letter to somebody, something that you do have control over and then set the the check time for, okay, I can do it once I've done that thing mm. rather than like first thing when I wake up and then it can just become a habitual spiral of, oh, I'll, I'll keep checking, I'll keep checking and I'm going to put off doing that other thing because I'm feeling bad about myself now. Yeah. And I think that your suggestion too leads me to another point of Good. choosing to do something else, <laughs> Choos <laughs> choosing to do something else that has an intrinsic reward built into just doing the activity, something that mm -hmm. isn't, I will only feel good if I get this certain result that's out of my control. And sometimes yeah. when you start to do more of those kinds of activities, you forget to do the thing that's making you feel like shit. Mm -hmm. Like you, or you, or you feel like, Oh, actually I don't need that influx of potentially negative information right now because I feel good because I just, I don't know, brushed my teeth really clean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or some other thing that you find intrinsically rewarding. <laughs> sure. Taking a shower, taking a shower. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for this question. I'm sure you're not alone in that a lot of other people um, can relate to some similar situation that they're going through right now. Yeah. We found a lot to relate to in this question and we're yeah, not in, we're not sure. a high school age. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So thank you for writing in and we would love to hear from you and uh, give you a virtual signature. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if outsiders can sign up on this, I will, if it's okay for me to write about this time that you posted this question online and I won't say the details of it, Yeah, but just that, hey, you were featured on our podcast, episode number 57. And yeah. it's one of my favorite openings. And it really. Yeah. Do you remember? Remember how fun that was? <laughs> good. What a good time. I do. Hags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Let's start the show. Free advice. 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 Welcome back, everybody, to episode 57 of Free Advice. Oh that over there is Morgan God. Beard. And that's Rob Zaleski. Yeah. I feel like I always kind of give it like a funky pronunciation to the point you where do. maybe you no one, maybe people think that you're like some kind of, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like more foreign than I am. More foreign than like you I, are. It's I correct Zaleski. people. Actually, it's Zaleski. <laughs> you have to say it real slow and focus on it while you're saying it. But and, exactly and like you said. And you're gesturing wildly the whole time. Yeah. yeah. My eyebrows are wiggling. Yeah. <laughs> Making intense eye contact with the, the victim of my reprimand. <laughs> uh, so... What's going on in your world right now today as we sit down and record this episode? What's going on? Ah, I'm looking outside. Mm -hmm. It's very sunny. I'm excited to go for a run after this. I got my running shoes on. That's a great um, way of just getting right down to it. Putting on the clothes. Mm -hmm. You put on the outfit for it, you got to do it. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. If I don't, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm kind of hungry now, though. Maybe <laughs> I'll just snack. Oh, but I can't run in a full stomach. Then i got to go to the grocery store before my men's group tonight. So I'll get the run in. I'll go to the grocery store. Hopefully it's quicker than last week. That was the longest grocery run I went on. I think there was a lot of panic because of protesting and riots and all the grocery stores being boarded up. Yeah. That uh, people wanted to stock up on things. So hopefully that's eased up this week and I can make a quick trip to the grocery store and um then i got my men's emotional processing group yeah on uh, on zoom we're discussing what it'll be like for us to get back together in person when we can do that what the metrics of that should be um like does everyone have to be on board with being in person first mm. that might take too long of a time so maybe it's just a super majority you know two-thirds of us and then some people can skype in but Anyway, all that yeah. feels mundane. I, I don't need a, 
uh, bring that into the podcast. But <laughs> well, you asked. So that's what's going yeah, on in my little asked, world. The narrow focus of today. Yeah. Um, well, I am curious if you don't mind a follow up question. Yeah. So, no, sure. Okay. Um, we've talked about this a what little bit about? off, off yeah. of air. Um, okay. But bring it to the air then. Sure. <laughs> Let me just air this out real quick. Um, <laughs> okay. How has your group uh, adjusted either, you know, generally or in terms of your subjective experience to being digital? Sure. And like, what are you looking forward to about going back to being in person? I always try to be uh, careful about questions like this because part of the, the men's group I'm a part of, every man, um, the agreement is to not share personal information about mm. other people. Um, at the end of the meetings, we say like everything was written on a scroll and we're burning it up now. So n- don't repeat things that oh, people I shared that. there basically. But um, and sometimes we switch it up from a scroll to like we've been using hard drives and the cloud <laughs> and other digital metaphors lately. So that's the main difference. <laughs> that's the big difference. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the metaphor at the end has switched to the online world and come out of the dark ages. Yeah. So maybe just speaking no. to your experience then. Yeah. Speaking from my own experience, which I think if I don't say uh, specific people's names, just that other people have related to is that... Um, it is nice to still have a weekly check-in, pe- to have the routine of people who care about you and who you care about, and to compare and contrast and just have people reflect to you like, hey, you know, you said something similar every week for the last month. Um, <laughs> because without that, yeah. you don't, you know, you don't see yourself growing or stagnating or repeating things. It's like we have so much experience. Like It's like seeing a... Um, uh, a child, a family that you haven't seen in six months. Oh my, how you've grown, but the parents yeah. don't really see it because they see him every day. The kid doesn't, certainly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm doing this online version of something that is supposed to be challenging by design and supposed to be um, uncomfortable, like like take be a safe space for people to talk about things that they wouldn't normally talk about. It just doesn't work as well for me Mm. online. Um, People are less likely to interrupt or um, confront one another because somebody's really upset. They're not in the same room. You can't like hug them or Mm. give them a tissue or like you're just not in the same space as them. So they can just get offline if they want. And nobody's, done that that i i can recall um but um yeah we miss the i miss the in person um the nuances of like hey what's that thing you're doing where you're shaking your leg a lot when you say Mm. that um did you notice that you're like jittering um body language is tougher to pick up on there's a pause might just be an internet connection dropout and and you don't really know for sure Right. Whereas in person, you don't have those things to deal with. So right. I feel like it's really important, um, more so even than I've been doing therapy online. And that feels like a little bit more normal or more like the in-person version mm-hmm. um, than this does with so many different people, with the group dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks. Yeah. I, I like I wonder about these spaces that have now we've adapted to the fact that they're now virtual and then mm-hmm. the readaptation phase i have a little more anxiety about it than i think i realized i would have i mean not as much anxiety as i had transitioning everything to online <laughs> and like beginning quarantine but as it dribbles out i guess i mm-hmm. do have some concerns about Oh, like, am I, it's, it's, it's almost some kind of like bizarre cousin of fear of missing out of FOMO where I'm like, Oh, is everyone else starting to go back to activities in a better way than me or more doing more exciting things, hanging out with bigger groups of people than I am, Uh, or I don't know. It's bizarre. Yeah. I, um. I can relate to that, uh, the fear of like, f- will I, will I ever rejoin the party if I don't go to the first one? <laughs> if I don't 
Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had a fear of like being stuck in the isolation mind state. Yeah. That, that the world will go back to normal and I, I will forget how to do some of the things that I used to do. Mm-hmm. I think just the answer for myself is be patient, baby steps, take little steps. Don't expect myself to be at um, peak socializing, peak uh, confidence, uh, nadir of uh, social anxiety immediately. Like that took working up to. And after a break, it'll take some working up to again for me. Nadir? What is that? It's um, the antithesis of a zenith. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. The lowest point. Okay. In a in a trough. Yeah. Interesting. I believe that's that's the N A D I R. Interesting. Yeah, I've never. I just never heard it, and I try to make a policy of like, if I don't know something, ask rather than you know just like nod along and be like, sure, yeah, Nadir, duh, obviously. <laughs> that's a good policy as long as it has a cap of questions per minute. <laughs> Yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> because if, if you find yourself in a highly technical conversation about astrophysics or something, <laughs> you, you may realize, like, oh wait, if I didn't, if I didn't know ten questions in that last minute, like maybe I'm just not qualified for this yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's a situation where I would just uh, extricate myself from it, just bow out, be like, I don't have the prior. Is there a workbook I can get my hands on? Because I, <laughs> right, right. I'm not ready for this level of interaction. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if it's, I think if it's like not super disruptive to the flow, but it will help me understand something better. And, you know, maybe I'll use Nadir in a future conversation and I'll get to explain it to someone and I'll be like, I remember when I didn't know what Nadir meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get to have one of those like grandfatherly moments. I don't know why time goes forward and I become a grandfather, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I um <laughs> Okay. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm self-conscious about whether I've pronounced it correctly now because oh. I'm realizing I, I can't remember somebody saying it out loud. Oh, interesting. It was the name of the ship in a Simpsons episode, an episode of The Simpsons, mm. um, which was parodying the story, a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again mm-hmm. by um, what's the guy who uh, wrote Infinite Jest? Oh, David Foster Wallace. Yeah, I think that this was a story by him. Okay. Um, oh, I've never read any of his works, but <laughs> the boat in his story was called the Zenith, and uh, the boat in The Simpsons was called the Nadir. And um, then this brings me to another point of you should never mm, uh, shame a person for mispronouncing a word because it means that that's a word that they learned through reading it. And yeah. um, we should encourage people to learn words through reading. Agreed gavel dropped. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I try to avoid, not super well, but like I try to avoid kind of shaming anyone for anything. Like if I can remember it and if I can help it or if I do it, I try to backtrack and go like, you know what? I didn't need to be that judgmental because like on the receiving end of that, it never feels good. Saying he's got a great business acumen. (laughs) Let me know when, when it's a cumin that? and I'll come on down. <laughs> Remember when he pronounced acumen no. a cumin? No, I no, I don't. I he don't did. know things that he does. I don't follow him. I don't oh. keep track of his nonsense. That's probably better than what I do. <laughs> I don't need to follow that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think in general, it's something that I strive to do is like be less judgmental, both of myself and other people for like those little mistakes. And if there's a way that I can point it out, that's like, educational and not pretentious, which is almost no percent of the time. Like (laughs) I try to do it, um, only to the, to the end of like, Oh, I, I might want to know so that the next time they use it, someone who's less kind than me might not laugh at them. (laughs) Yeah. What is the best way to do that? Let's say I, you know, the word, let's say I'd pronounce, um, Nadir. Right. Nadir. Nadir. Let's say that I'm saying Nadir. Oh, I might say, I might ask it as a question as if like, I also don't know. Like I might be like, oh, is that how it's pronounced? I mean, that's, (laughs) do you think that's like such a too, too easy to see through? What if you really know? (laughs) 
<laughs> like in that situation, neither of us know this word that well. So, um, or I could just be like, I oh. think it's Nadir. Mm-hmm. And just try okay. to make it as simple as possible and not, not weave in a bunch of extra anything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but it's possible to get offended no matter what, especially if you, a lot of your ego is wrapped up in like knowing this word and pronouncing it correctly and never being corrected by anyone. What do you think about giving it several days of cool off time, like <laughs> writing an email and boomerang and hitting it to send, send in three days. Hey, I think the other day when you were saying <laughs> not our, it's actually Nadir. <laughs> Here's Maybe. a YouTube video example. Maybe. I mean, that really makes me call into question you a little bit. Like, why? Why did you do why that? Why not let it go at this point <laughs> if all this time is fast? <laughs> we'll also include that you wrote the email at the time, but set, <laughs> set it up on Boomerang to send it three days later. It's a very easy process to do just because you thought it would be better uh, received if... You know, it had taken some time for you guys to to converse about the content and not the way in which the message was delivered. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. At that point, they might have even forgotten the incident at all. But they could mm. maybe they have maybe they would be really sure. grateful for having more time to sit with it. I don't know. What if. OK. OK. Would you appreciate this? OK. If you're willing to follow me down. This Absolutely. Route? January 1st, you receive an email Mm -hmm. of all the times (laughs) that people have have found words that you've mispronounced in the last year. And you get kind of a summary of, oh, here's some words that you could pronounce better. No. And all of your friends talked about it. (laughs) Somebody set up like a surprise party email thread of like, okay, don't tell Morgan, but I want to do something special for her birthday this year. I want to collect all (laughs) of her fuck ups. (laughs) Just if you if you notice Morgan has ever mispronounced a word and you didn't correct her, send it to me and we're going to send her a, a big list of ways to improve her speech. Wow. Wow. Well, would that be better or would you rather receive them as they come? I think I'd rather receive them as they come because okay. otherwise it's almost overwhelming the accumulation of them. But on the other hand, it's kind of a nice thought that someone would care would that cool. much. <laughs> About my correct but, pronunciation of things to enlist all these other people right? and compile a collection. <laughs> I would love a feature in my phone that's like, here's the words that you've misspelled reliably. <laughs> uh, if I could just in one hour, like fix all the regular spelling errors that I make, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, although I have to say most of my spelling errors these days or my errors in general typing on a phone are just apple fucking with me like sometimes oh, i'll sure, you know sure. sometimes i'll type a word that's the period spelled the accurate well yeah. like i'll type in a word that's spelled accurately and it'll just change it to a different word and i'm like no so like i feel like i'm training a bad dog i'm like no 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 like i didn't that's not what i was trying to say at all actually uh, i had it right Well, you use a lot of fringe words <laughs> i stick to the mainstream the core 150 or so words that we're meant to use <laughs> that's right <laughs> stay stay within the federation's <laughs> limits. Um speaking of the federation, let's take a yeah. let's take another question. What do you think? Oh, let's do it. All right. Sad skater boy asks, "How do I Love get it. my conservative parents to understand that we are trying to change America for the better?" My parents believe it is the end times right now. <laughs> I love that phrasing. They think that we are blind and that black people are more privileged than white people which Morgan Beard reading this question has a hard time not saying anything about. But anyway, going, going forward, I've tried discussing systematic racism in today's world with my mom, and she just won't believe it. She and my dad think liberals are ignorant and destroying the country, and she wants me to talk with her about it, but I just can't. I'm only 18, and I don't know everything either, but I do know that I'm happy to see change happening finally. I don't know what to say or how to deal with this. Do I just avoid, avoid the topic at all costs? My mom won't stop confronting me about it. How old did they say there? 18. I'm glad that they included okay. that detail. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Because it does. Um, so you're at about the age where you may have opportunities to live independent of them and not have forced in- interactions at moments that you don't want them. Um, that frequently, at least. Mm-hmm. Um 
Okay, I think there's two two answers to this, really, which is things that you can do to try to change a person's mind, and then things that you can do to accept not being able to change a person or accept that yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. Um, because depending on the severity of their stubbornness or the other elements of your relationship with them, um, this may be something that you can't change their mind on or it's not worth the cost of changing their mind on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to, I would love to delve into each of those different routes. Um, Go for it then. Okay. You, you want, want me, me to do it? I thought, <laughs> you I want thought me you... to answer the question? <laughs> you want I me set to up answer the, the question? The oh, I mean... no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> this is called free partial advice. No, um, I know I'm happy to dive in myself. I just, if you say you're going to say something, I don't want to barge in. I'm trying not to make a habit of barging in and, and barge. letting you finish what you, okay. I'll barge. Um, yeah, I think that's a really helpful framework. Uh, it seems like the question is, you know, do I avoid the topic at all costs? Um, you know, just what the fuck do I do? Cause I've tried it. So it seems like you've tried doing option number one to some extent, which is explaining the situation, uh, to the degree that you have knowledge about it, which is, you know, whatever your existing understanding of systematic racism is. Um, and your parents are just coming back to you with, uh, okay, my dad thinks liberals are ignorant and destroying the country. So these, these attacks that are somewhat unrelated, they sound a little bit like, okay, you know, your parents are kind of regurgitating the Fox news spiel, um, and that they're not really listening to what you're saying is kind of what it sounds like. And I think that's, that's where you decide what path to take. If they are not listening to what you're telling them, not asking thoughtful questions based on the content of what you're actually saying, but just kind of firing back at you with like platitudes and like shit that they heard somewhere else that's not directly related. It doesn't actually sound like they're open to hearing any new viewpoints. It sounds like they just want someone to maybe appease their guilt about not knowing more or to just get mad at with, you know, that just general kind of reactivity. Um, and it doesn't really seem like there's a real open curiosity to taking in new information, which leads me to believe that this might be an option number two situation where you have to just protect yourself and your energies from trying to go down this hole because, this topic is so like divisive and intense and it evokes a lot of different emotions. And if you do have to just coexist with your parents right now because of quarantine, you know, your living situation, whatever, you're still dependent on them. It might just be, they might be a lost cause, which I hate to say, um, really about anyone um, a lost cause on this issue exactly it doesn't mean that the, not a lost cause as humans is, <laughs> right or as parents or as people that you can love um and disagree with so yeah i, I agree it, it is a important life lesson to learn to love and accept people who view the world in in important ways differently from you and in ways that you may even find uh, despicable, dangerous, or damaging. Yes. Um, and that's a dynamic that often if, is a parent-child or sort of inter-family dynamic and makes things very difficult. Yeah. Um, okay. If you want to try to change their mind, um, I don't know what you're already doing, but here's how I would go about this. Um, I think your ability to change their mind is limited by your patience and ability to listen to things that sound crazy to you or mm -hmm. outright um, hurtful or just um, I insulting, outrageous. Um, so I think you can approach them with a, I want to try to understand what you believe, what you believe mindset. And then, um, Ask them questions like, 
how on a scale of one to ten, how true do you think it is that um, they have the belief that black people are more privileged than white people today? Mm-hmm. Um, like in what certain situations do you think that's true? Mm-hmm. Are there any situations where that might not be true? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I like that. Ex- I then, like that a lot because it's like it, it creates something more nuanced and 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 not to be not to be like sort of silly, but like this is we can often get stuck when it comes to emotional arguments and, and thinking about things in a black or white way. <laughs> yes, exactly. And maybe they're focused on some some case of someone that they knew in their life. Okay, mm. say uh, I'm making this up, but if. Um, if your father uh, lost their job and a person of color was hired who they feel um, doesn't have uh, the skills that they did initially mm-hmm. and this simultaneously was happening at the same time as a, a push for diversity at the company or in the culture more broadly, it's possible that that one person or that one example is um, something that they've generalized to um, to people in general. And I'm not saying that to excuse that type of racism. Um, I'm just saying you may be able to identify that there is a certain circumstance where they feel this way, or that's a a belief that they've adopted to help them from another type of pain or um, a self-directed hatred, just assuming that, oh, I am weak or I am bad to be able to point the finger at somebody else and say they're bad. um, The system is unfair. Um, Maybe there is like I I think that white people have more privilege than black people, but there could be um, moments where a person of color had some other attribute, or in some way or another, something unfairly benefited a black person, and they saw that, and they're generalizing to. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt. Maybe this is a, a handed down kind of uh, generalizable racism. But to assume that um, they are a rational person who uh, has beliefs that make sense to them given their experiences is a is a good starting point if you want to try to change somebody's mind. Yeah. Now, that may be uh, too hard to do or not worth your energy or just too complicated given your other dependence on them as parents, maybe for money, maybe for love or their approval, and you don't want to get into that with them. But generally, I think that's that's the starting place for changing a person's mind. And then asking them, what would you have to learn in order for you to change your mind on this? Because a lot of people haven't ever asked themselves that question. Like, if you found out um, that uh, black people were arrested disproportionately high numbers, would would that change your mind? If you found out that um, some economic outcome or just like... Yeah, if you found out different... any of the things that are actually going on, <laughs> it's hard not to just yeah. say it that way. <laughs> well, I think asking it open-endedly is the best... Um, the best way yeah of course i'm just joking if you were presented with slavery like conditions um if it was the year 1850 would you feel the same way no why okay well what when do you think it changed what Mm -hmm. you know coming with an inquisitive attitude um yeah because i think is your best yeah i i think i think what's tough about this is for many people of this generation i can assume I think, uh, it's very, I mean, what the way that black people are and other people of color, but focusing specifically on, on black people in this moment for the black lives matter movement, the, the amount of pain as a people that they have suffered at white hands and continue to suffer behind sort of behind closed doors now, like a a lot of like the system of, of, of slavery has just gone on in different permutations for the last, whatever, 400 years. Um, and that's an extremely tough pill to swallow because it involves so much pain and so much injustice. And to see our ourselves as white people, as profiting from that is extremely painful. And so to change someone's mind and get them to admit that that's going on requires that they change their worldview on pretty much everything that has gotten them to where they are now. Um, and it's, I think what's, what's tough when you look at older generations is like how much they have to be willing to let go of or confront in order to understand 
what's really going on under their noses. Like it's, it's a really tough battle to fight. Whereas like, I think for younger people, we are more flexible because we have less history of our lives to have to kind of upset or overthrow in order to change our ideas. Um, and so for you as a child to hold space for your parents to have that moment of upheaval seems like so much to ask and, and may not happen, frankly. Yeah. Um, it's something that, uh, people uh your age and of your generation and of generations previous though it's it's a child's burden this has happened many times throughout history though so you're not alone in this oh, that's a good desire point. people have varying degrees of success some parents come around sometimes only after a major life event or an introduction of a person that has suffered personally that changes their mind as they get to know and love that person um i think that that type of uh what do they call that? Some type of canvassing. Um, mm. uh, sharing a personal story that's very vulnerable and um, includes details of, of an individual suffering in a one-on-one way with people who disagree with a certain issue can is, is the most effective at changing people's minds in a political um strategy context um that's not going to be you i assume you are the same race as your parents um if that's true mm-hmm. and i'm assuming if you're a different race than them that they're probably more open-minded about these things um yeah i i empathize with your struggle and um it's up to you to determine how much you want to invest in this i think it, your heart's in the right place in trying to convince other people um, why this is important and gain support for this cause. Yeah. And I think that like, it would be great if you were living in a household where you could really celebrate with people that you care about how happy you are that these changes are happening. Um, Mm -hmm. I think like I personally feel like I'm in a, a bit of a, you know, echo chamber of people that pretty much feel similarly about this. I'm not dealing with a lot of people in my life that are like thinking that black people have more privilege than white people. I don't, I'm, I'm fortunate in that, you know, pretty much everyone around me feels the same way that I do. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to say one thing to your point earlier, Rob, though, about, um, I, I think, I think, if you are going to try to change their minds, creating a space for them and their pain to feel understood is like totally a great way to start. Like someone who feels angry needs to feel heard um, before someone tries to change their mind and just going in and trying to change their mind isn't going to be that effective until they hear that until they feel like their point of view has been sufficiently communicated and it's actually understood and that it can coexist with a different piece of information, but you may totally be barking yes. up the right wrong tree there. Um, I, I think a lot of uh, the reason that white people are some white people are resistant to um, accepting a narrative of racism uh, continuing today is that they are worried that it will discredit or invalidate their pain and that the person delivering this message Uh, implies that everything has been easy in that person's Mm. life because they were white. And that does not match their experience and people derive a lot of their meaning from their pain. And so I think that just any suspicion on your parents part that, Oh, they're saying that I haven't suffered. If they, if Mm. they think that just because there's an idea that other people suffer in additional ways or suffered more collectively, um, that's very threatening and that can turn off lot that can just cause them to put up a wall. Mm. Um, so listening to the pain of your parents, if you have the space for that, you may not, like I said, um, but yeah. that's, I think th- the biggest mistake in convincing a person is pointing a finger and telling them you haven't suffered because here's what real suffering is. Racism is real suffering. Anything that's happened in your life is uh, pales in comparison. Yeah. And that may be a, a truth for the person delivering it, but it, it's not as an effective of a way of, uh, converting someone to their point of view rather than listening to their pain. I agree. And I thought that was, I think that's so well said. Um, 
the last thing I want to offer. Yeah. The last thing I want to offer is you do not have to be the person that tries to change their mind. You can hand them a list of movies, books, other people talking about these issues. Um, and they actually may, we, we referred to this in a previous episode where sometimes parents tend to kind of discredit things that come from their own kids because of, because they've seen them through more immature stages of their life. And so they kind of conflate that like, yeah, they've seen them poop. They've had to wipe their ass. So they're not going to, they're not going to yeah. take you that seriously when it comes to s- <laughs> pointing out systems of <laughs> racial oppression. I remember when you couldn't get the poop <laughs> off your own butt and I had to do that for you. And now you want to have me read. I know why the cage bird sings. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, a movie that I just recently watched uh, is 13th on Netflix. And I think it's a, mm. a, a good and not too, it's not too upsetting. I mean, the whole system, of course, is upsetting. And I, I am coming from a position of having been exposed to this already, so maybe somewhat desensitized. But 13th is, is a great documentary that isn't necessary. It's not balanced. It's it's only... Named after the 13th Amendment, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, just about the ways that that blacks have been systematically discredited, oppressed, uh, demonized throughout history in order to allow white people to capitalize on their fear of them and keep them essentially enslaved and keep them in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the industrial prison complex and, and just opens your eyes to a lot of holy fucking shit. That's just, you know, we can't believe this is still happening in 2020. It, that's, that's part of why this is so hard to swallow too. Is this is like, how the fuck has this skated on by for decades and decades and decades after, after, you know, we praise all of these um, civil rights activists as heroes and da-da-da, and, and we would love to think as white people that, you know, and sort of put on our blinders and think, well, that fight's over. It's far from it, unfortunately. Yeah. This this may be a dangerous territory, but uh, I'm going to invite you into it if you want to go there with me. Um do you think it's a, a human constant to demonize some other mm. to create or observe some some group and blame your problems on them and then disenfranchise and yeah. there's countless examples yeah. of this happening throughout history. What is the way out of that is is my mm. question more generally um yeah. uh, that that might be offensive to some people who are like we have current issues in this moment that we need to uh, address. How could, why are you talking about it on a historical context or anything? But no, um, I think I mean I think I think that looking at historical contexts for solutions is critical. Um, I understand why someone might have an angry response to that sure. as, as potentially a distraction, but I actually think that you know in some ways therein lies the solution. Um, the the antidote to fear is love, and. I think that when you aren't aware or you haven't, you haven't integrated within yourself, the things that you don't like about that yourself, the things that you fear, you look at these external things that trigger it and you want to eliminate it. You want to annihilate it. And it's this like externalization of a desire to kill off those parts in yourself. And as I, I I think that there's obviously great, great lengths of external changes that need to happen. But I also think on in, on an individual level, the world would be a much better place if every single person interrogated themselves with this depth and tried to assess what are the aspects of myself that I'm not willing to look at that I'm disowning that I'm seeing in other people and demonizing and running away from and trying to inspire fear as a result of. Um, and I think it's an absence of love or acceptance maybe that was received early in life for those things. Maybe it was just Mm -hmm. other reflections. I mean, an, an obvious example is, you know, Hitler not getting into art school. I mean, it's somewhat of a butterfly effect thing. Like, I don't think that because Hitler didn't get into art school, he did what he did, but you know, it's, it's that 
being rejected by something and then turning on a part of yourself um, that allows that hatred to coexist and, and get compartmentalized and become someone else's problem rather than yours. Um, yeah. I look at everything from, from that sort of standpoint, just because of the work that I do and the way that I see the world and what's been helpful for me, but integrating societally can't happen until people integrate on an individual level and try to try to find love in their own hearts for the parts of themselves that they've had to reject. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you can do both at the same time. Oh, you have like, to, we have know, to do yeah. both. We have to do both. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to like sh- shit well, all over that. Like no, it was no, too obvious, okay. but, um, I'm wondering if there's a way for a person to maintain some type of self-hatred or, uh, self, uh, some type of shame or hidden compartments of themselves and at least act in a way towards others that is, uh, more tolerant or more loving, even if it's not coming authentically or a reflection of how they feel about themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, po- I'd lo- it's possible. I'd love to figure out a way to test these things more scientifically, but, um, yeah, I, I heard an explanation for hate this last year, a couple, I think once in, um, the art of empathy, and again, in perfect love, imperfect relationships of uh, it being a evolutionarily adaptive emotion that draws a person's attention intensely to a thing that makes them feel weak. And I think mm. it's very easy to redirect that. Um, this is going off of the end of the big short of they're going to do what they always do is blame immigrants and poor people for the Mm. housing crisis and nobody's going to go to jail and we'll just get mad at immigrants and poor people again and say it's their (laughs) fault and swing down. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think when a person feels weak, they're very impressionable. And so hate is something that you can uh, turn, especially if, if there is righteous hatred at a person in power who is um, acting unjustly to people without power that that person with power may be able to use their power to redirect the hatred towards an easier target, someone that's um, defenseless. Um, And maybe that's what's happened to sad skater boys' uh, parents. And maybe they are victims of somebody's long-term con. And um, maybe that will help you feel for them um have some empathy for them too because yeah i don't think that hating racists will solve (laughs) the problem of racism it's another way of dehumanizing a person now for a much more legitimate or like something that i agree with reason to hate a person than the color of their skin is what for their beliefs something that they can change something that they uh that that predicts their behavior more accurately but um yeah, that the like punch a Nazi slogan bothers me because it's like once you determine that someone is a Nazi, <laughs> right. it's dehumanizing all those other qualities about them. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. too. And um, I thought you were going to say because it's sort of taking it's in the same energy of the thing that you disapprove of. Like, <laughs> like we don't like the Nazis because they were needlessly violent and not thinking about not being acting compassionately so we're saying go punch them okay is that not the same thing (laughs) it's not it's not the same thing but you know i like it is tough because those these these egregious actions and behaviors that have been perpetuated over hundreds of years of course make us extremely angry but And I think that anger is useful in its ability to point to something that we need to stand up for and we need to change. But I don't think it is the energy through which the solution, the best solution can be carried out, which is the same reason like you're not going to convert a racist by pointing your finger and telling them that they haven't experienced pain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I um 
I feel a bit out of my depth saying any of this, but um, mm. I'm reminded of Dave Chappelle talking about um, the situation in South Africa and comparing that to the Me Too movement. And he said what Ben Affleck got right that people gave him a bunch of shit for and what South Africa learned was you have to learn to see the oppressor as part as also victims mm. of the system mm-hmm. that it is not the oppressor that is the enemy, but is the system that everyone subscribes to um, and, and have some path to forgiveness for them or else it will perpetuate the, the same system um, by just driving more hate, you know, coming up with a new term for the problem people um, yeah. on top. And the, it's, yeah, you have to offer know, a pathway out to that look they into can more. take. Yeah. Because otherwise they just will dig their heels in further. And I mean, that's psychologically speaking, we are motivated to just keep doing the same versus to disrupt a belief, a long held belief that we feel has helped us survive, or we may not even be aware of that. We feel that has helped us survive. Like you have to offer a solution that actually feels somehow easier than the thing that our brain already prefers, which is the familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe there's some way of, sad skater boy can give his parents some kind of, I don't know, easier out. I mean, it's a complex, it's a, it's a complex thing to think of. I can't think of an example off the top of my head of like giving them, give them a way to be a hero by changing their opinion rather than keeping them stuck in the mud with it. Here's, um, when, Marilyn Manson was asked on the news what he would say to the the two boys that shot up Columbine. Mm. Um, if he were given the chance, he said, I wouldn't say anything. I would listen. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. He, he really nailed that. I think. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I love it. So. Whew. Heavy note to end on. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, oh that's the end of the show i mean we can do another question wow. but it's no it's think, been over an hour <laughs> it's been our time <laughs> and that's our time folks um yeah well you know we spent we spent a little bit a little while with um the yearbook no, signature did. question we, we spent a little while with discussing our own lives and adjustments to the digital mm-hmm virtual world and the anxieties of coming out of that. And, and then we've circled all the way back to, um, how do we, how do we integrate as a society? Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope, um, if you have questions that you write us at free advice podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And if we Um, answered your question on the show today, we would love to hear your feedback on, you know, if you tried any of our suggestions, if you have any additional details or, you know, anything you want to, that has come to light since we would love to hear from mm-hmm. you. Um, and you know, if you'd like to read your response on the show and continue to converse with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Morgan, I All look right, forward well. to speaking to you next week again. And, uh, continuing this show into the future for episode 58 (laughs) seems like a really reasonable goal I'll be there alright Joe good night please sleep tight (laughs)